you aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Silly Mark that I had literally described the kind of writing I wanted to be doing years ago when I wasn't really writing at all. And I was like, you know, I would like to be researching and I would like it to be feminist and it would be so cool if I could write about metaphysical things, but like nobody, there's no, I don't even know what that would look like and I don't want to write long form articles for magazines or maybe I do, but that seems really stressful and I like performing and I, but I don't want to self publish, but I would like to have my own, like, (laughs) and I, when I started doing, um, magic stuff with that with that first class I was in I, I wrote that I wanted to find my soulmate editor and publisher and then like halfway through the first season with you I was like oh it's Amy <laughs> because we were, we were just like everything is so easy when we edit together and I'm like oh it's like that's that's how that manifested at the time you know yeah yeah I definitely believe that there are lots of different kinds of soulmates yeah and uh this is this is one of them yeah (laughs) because it's all like we've even talked about this in interviews with other people where it just like everything seemed correct yeah you know every step it was like yep this seems correct yeah yeah I was telling Karen about what it's like working with you and I was like it's just one of those people where you're like why do we do this thing yeah let's do that thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most yeah. low-key collaboration ever um, anytime I'm like generating drama I'm like just run it by her because the drama's all in your head right now yeah. there's no oh, drama yeah. oh yeah the calls are always coming from the inside the house always <laughs> there's no drama yeah. and I think both being like maybe like fundamentally low drama people helps us with that yeah too. I mean I think we can also both be very high drama but we don't bring it into our working relationships I don't know if you consider yourself, I consider myself sometimes high drama in, at least like, I, I get in my feelings sometimes. I get in my feelings sometimes, (laughs) that's a good way to say it. I'm theatrical. I don't know if I would call it drama to call out the bullshit that you're presenting. (laughs) I'm making big gestures right now, as always. Yeah, but I mean, some people are seeking it out, and that I uh, am definitely, you will always find it if yes, you're looking for it. Yes, I am definitely a, like, I have, I think I'm notorious among some of my friends for, like, eliminating relationships that are drama-based. Yes. I don't, and maybe, yeah, I just don't keep people around that yeah. are that are in that cycle of, like, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm getting to that place for sure. Like, yeah. I feel like... I was always like a love battery, and as long as you give me a charge every now and again, like I'll I'll keep gotcha, running. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm learning now to reserve more space for myself, especially yeah. like I guess maybe we'll here's the podcast. Yeah. Um. Uh. When my father died, because as you, Risa, and now you <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh wait, that was um, all part of the podcast. Oh yeah. Totally <laughs> <makes sense. laughs> Some point in there, the podcast started, and it totally uh, makes sense. Psych. Psych. It's always been the podcast. Always, always already. <laughs> always already podcasting. Already, yeah. <laughs> Super existential about oh. it. But yeah, just this, like, I had cared for him for, like, almost a decade. Yeah. And then once that was gone, it was, like, this amazing weight of, like, anxiety and responsibility had just been, like, lifted off me. So I... I've called it like the summer of freedom, the summer of Amy. I said no to everything (laughs) or yes, if I wanted to, but I felt no obligation to anyone other than, you know, that which also gives me energy. 
But um, let's like really dive into the theme okay. of this podcast now because since we started this Missing Witches Project, happy Samhain, everybody. Since we started this uh, Missing Witches Project, uh, I lost a parent and Risa became a parent. Yeah. And these are things that definitely change you and in very different and somehow similar ways. Somehow we came up a lot this season, this idea of death and life after death and contending with the relationship between Mm -hmm. death and regeneration and life and death and regeneration. Mm -hmm. So can you launch into some Sawin feelings about life and death and everything in between? You don't have to ask me to ask. (laughs) Here's my feelings about life and death. No, um, yeah, I guess I, I, I feel like I faced death this year more than I ever have in my life. Um, we're like, yeah, it's a, it's a day past a year anniversary of my labor and May making it into the world. And that was not an easy labor. I don't know if there are easy labors, but there are easier ones than mine. And I felt like I was going to die. And I think that's part of labor. Like, I think it's important part of labor. It's important part of like life is like and the magic of how we sort of channel what's real about being alive in the world is facing death and so that is like a particular piece of a kind of magical experience of being a certain bodied person that you can have access to is you will face your death and you will face the death like there's you know you will face the death of the thing you now love the most in the world you know and and I had some pretty now looking back in in retrospectively I had some pretty severe postpartum anxiety in the months afterwards um she was okay and I was okay but it was like you know 36 hours and and I did take the um the pitocin to make the contractions come stronger because I wasn't um I wasn't getting there to where I needed to be. So then I was in this sort of chemically induced haze of pain and contractions and it still wasn't happening. And I just lost hours. Like I was just like vomiting and riding pain and just, I feel like I disappeared for a while there. And when she, you know, she, her heart was struggling. And when she came out, she had the cord around her neck and she had inhaled her own, um, like baby feces and so she had to be rushed off and cleaned and she was fine she actually came back quicker than they thought she would and I was fine but I dealt with that moment of like her disappearing you know her like finally getting there them cutting me open and get her there and and then them running away with her and then just like just shaking and crying and needing to tell the story like to my mom crying and holding her hand you know and um, and then she got really sick many times this year and we discovered she has like a life-threatening allergy. And so we watched her go into shock and almost die. And I feel numb by that. And, um, I did some ritual stuff around it because it just helped to do anything. Um, and those are sort of my scattered thoughts on that's, that's where I'm at and, and, and that those were the things I was walking through this year. And so when you were like, what if we do an episode about death? I was like, yeah, let's talk about death. And being the portal to 
dot 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 question mark yeah to the other side yeah the origin of life yeah i i looked at what theosophists think about death when i was working on the blavatsky episode um and i won't put it in their terms because i won't do it correctly but i love this idea that they have and it i mean it is it's cobbled together from buddhism and, and hinduism but they believe that after you die, um, until your physical, the last atom of your physical body has kind of gone back into the universe, there is a part of you that kind of is just sort of like a shell or a shape of energy that is kind of waiting. And then that is released once the physical part is released. And then um, there's a period where you rest and it could be as long as you need. And then there's a period where you're surrounded by all the people and animals and beings and places you've ever loved, whether they're dead or not. And it's not really them. It's like them for you. And you have that for as long as you need it. And they could be a thousand years. Like of just being with everyone you need, like everything you need, everything you love is just there for you for a while until that energy dissipates also and then you begin the cycle of rebirth and for me that's like perfect i'll take that you know yeah, yeah. as long as you need surrounded by love and then what yeah reincarnation yeah, i think so sure <laughs> you know like i reincarnation in the sense that like my my body's gonna disintegrate and gonna go back into the water table and it's gonna get eat, hopefully you know eaten by worms and mm -hmm. like I, that you know we get to become soil yeah I'm so excited stick me in a flower I want to do that for a while that sounds nice yeah. I want to do a a saw when reading while we're on the subject of death thank you um it's from. I love this series. This is like the Wheel of the Year series by Llewellyn. Um, they're called the Sabbat Essentials. I don't have the full set yet, but I'm collecting them one Sabbat at a time. And uh, yeah, so this is from that. Samhain is the most sacred and often the most celebrated of the Sabbaths. In its sanctity comes a part that's difficult to celebrate, remembrance. What we remember, we feel. When we feel, we often grieve. Sometimes it's grief for someone dead. Other times it's grief for what once was, for what never was, and for our failures. These are all natural parts of the season. Oh. Season. Season. <laughs> that, that I even really... <laughs> That hyphen really took me somewhere. These are all natural parts of the season. <laughs> I can't do it now. <clears throat> These are all natural parts of the season, just as much as the joy and mystique. We talked about, we've talked about this many times, about yeah. this, like, um, leaving space open. Um, we sort of have been told a lot to chin up and buck up and don't cry mm. you know that's as soon when someone starts crying the first thing out of whoever is around them's mouth is almost oh, always don't cry don't cry, don't cry. Yeah. and uh and this is 
by our practice and this turn of the wheel of the year, this is when the veil is at its thinnest and we can access these energies that we don't necessarily always have access to. And I think your interview with um, Elizabeth, she talked about this, the process of grieving her Mm. mother, I believe, and sort of accessed that energy and used it as a tool for her own healing. Mm. And yeah, I have lots of plans like that for myself. uh, Jimmy's birthday is coming up soon. I have a million little rituals planned between uh, his birthday and Samhain. Um, I kept his tracksuit and his hat and his cane <laughs> and I told my partner that I was going to put them on for, for Halloween and his direct quote was, you've lost the plot. <laughs> but you listeners, you Risa, you friends, you know that uh, I, I have never had a honed instinct on the plot (laughs) (laughs) the plot has always been a little off the map for me so i'll let everybody know how it goes see what i can conjure you're a map maker i mean we don't have a plot we're just except for the the little garden plot maybe but (laughs) we're just map makers in our own underworld as uh as the oracle of los angeles said you know and I think that's a great idea to throw on the clothes of the person and, and spend some time with them at this time of year, even if it's a piece of jewelry or putting together your altar, you know, and just spend some time with it. And like, I always think it's a good practice, like when you're in a safe space to do the opposite of that, that don't cry and, and be like, what, what is, what level is this emotion at for me right now? on a scale of one to 10, or am I, am I at a two? Am I, I, my, my throat is choking. I, I feel anxious. I feel nervous about this. Can I turn it up? I'm in a safe space. Could I turn it up to a five? What, what would that mean? Like if I, what is the level of, what would I have to be saying about myself or fearing or, or, or poking? What's the wound I have to poke to turn it up to a five? And what's the wound I have to poke to turn it up to an eight? Like, and if I let myself sob, can I turn it all the way up to an 11? And like, you know, don't do that on the bus if you can avoid it. But if you're in your home and like, you can scream or yell into a pillow or like weep it out, try to turn it all the way up because it's a big fucking wave that's stuck in you. It's stuck in your throat and it can burn through you and release some things. My cousin, whose mother just died, who's staying with me now, my beautiful aunt, just died. She was lying in bed the other day and she's getting hot flashes. She's older and she's frustrated by them. They're annoying. She's angry. And then she told me she had this thought that maybe the hot flashes are burning through all of her resistance to things, all of her desire for approval, all of her, you know, that, that a hot flash is a transition into like crone, you know, where we, we drop all that shit. It's like the Marjorie Cameron as the grandmother, you know, like we burn through it all. <clears throat> and we're dancing at the Banshees ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I want that for all of us. I don't know how you, I don't know how you, you must be feeling after 10 years of, it was so it was so constant, the labor of love that you were doing, of care for your dad. I mean, I don't know if our listeners really know anything about that. 
No, not too much, but just that he existed. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that he exists. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with grieving, you know? Yeah. So when I randomly burst into tears, um, I, I'm fine with it. I, and because sometimes it, it's like tears of gratitude. Like I get overwhelmed that I got to, you know, spend that time with him, you know, again, for our listeners who aren't, you know, long time <laughs> friends of mine, um, my, uh, my folks split up when I was like six. So, yeah. you know, I, I didn't know him super well, really. Yeah. And I got to know him and I got to forgive him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and not everybody get, get, has that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets the chance to work through their parent stuff. Right. Um, I think that's why, or maybe partly why ancestor work is, is so important to people. It's like, we wouldn't be here mm. otherwise. No shred of us would exist if not for these however many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years that went into the creation of our DNA. Mm -hmm. And then you have this very flawed person who is responsible for creating you on a DNA level and then in an environmental level, and and they're bound to make mistakes. And I release you, Risa, from all the... (laughs) 50 years of mistakes that you are going to make with May right now. We forgive you. Um, And and I think, yeah, we think of ancestor work as being a lot of gratitude and praise, which it is and it should be. But I think there's also room in there and in your Sawin tradition for forgiveness Mm. and to take a look at what your ancestors did right and what they did wrong Mm. and and forgive them. Um, I'm not telling anyone to forgive any parent who was beyond forgiveness, um, except um, knowing that it had nothing to do with you mm-hmm. and forgiving yourself for even having the thought that it might have had anything to do with yeah. you. So we'll take that forgiveness. And, and the bit from Llewellyn that, you know, sometimes when we're grieving, it's not for people who are dead. Sometimes it's for opportunities that we missed or friends that for one reason or another we had to release. Um, And so I think this, like, as we're going into the dark half of the year, which is what Salwin marks, it's it's the end of harvest and and how we start Mm. this progression into darkness, (laughs) that it's good to take this moment now, do it now before it gets literally too dark for us to even be able to if you can release yourself from anything yeah. anything at all um come saw wind then that's something you don't that's something you don't have to carry yeah. into next year with you and into the darkest darkest time of the year if you live in this uh, hemisphere yeah. where it gets so dark so dark the darkness is coming yeah <clears throat> the thing i was thinking about with my cousin when her or I was thinking about for myself when, when my aunt died and we were talking about yesterday was, you know, you're almost inevitably going to have the feeling like if you loved the person and they died, that you wish you had spent more time, that you wish you had said something. Like almost 
no matter how much time you did spend, there will be one more thing that you're like, oh, I wish I had told them this. I wish I had known to, to take them there, to show them this one beautiful thing, you know? And I, I had a meditation or like a, just sort of a dream about my aunt where I went through that moment of like, I should have gone and, and spent more time with her. She invited me to come to her house, sit in her hot tub and have a beer with her. And like, you know, when she lived in that house before they had lost it, like I should have spent time with her there. She loved that house. Um, but one thing I kind of believe in is that, you know, the, the timelines aren't fixed. And in my meditation about her I took pieces from the times we did have together like really beautiful times when she came and sat next to me and held my hand at a reunion and like whispered that she loved me or like took to show me her garden and and I took all of those moments and I put them in her hot tub on her porch on her house and I visited her and we had a beer and like that's an act of imagination and an act of creation and, and an act of magic for when the veil is thin that like you you can have that moment with this the energy version of that person for you and if that's healing I think you should yeah if you can't you know access this person on a physical level you can like Faith Ringgold you can make a piece of art about it yeah. and work through your feelings with a piece of art or sit down like Reese is saying and imagine and therefore do in a manner of speaking the thing that you didn't get to do yeah because you know the world of the mind is just as real That's as it. the rest of it right make a container and put that moment in that container and in an in a real way that is real <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, yeah. I do. I don't know if our <laughs> listeners do, but I know exactly what you do. I know, you're I know you do. I mean, I remember when you decided to bring your dad to come live with you. And I remember talking about it with you, and it was a momentous decision. You can cut this out if you don't want it in there, but I remember you describing, like, you know, he was sick and alone. Like, Nobody was taking care of him. He was starving. His teeth were rotten. He didn't know how to cook because he'd never done it, you know? And, like, you're like, this isn't my responsibility, but it's nobody's responsibility, and it's everybody's responsibility, <laughs> and it's going to be. I'm going to do it, and I might not even be doing it for him. I might be doing it for me so that I can look back and know that we had this time together, that I didn't abandon a frail old man, and... And it was like very beautiful. I've always remember you being like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's somewhere half, halfway between like, I didn't feel like I had a choice and, um, I never questioned not doing it. Mm. I don't know. Again, like you say, like you see someone who needs your help and, and again, I mean, now that he's gone, I've released that. (laughs) (laughs) I now have this superpower where I can see someone that needs help and not necessarily stop my life to help them, which I'm so grateful for. And again, thank you so much to my father for like (laughs) really making sure that I learned that lesson that it's, 
you can't help everyone. You can always help yourself. Mm. Um, obviously, we're big into altruism, you know, community work, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But I keep going back to the, you know, make sure your oxygen mask is in place yeah. before attempting to assist others. And right. I think I, I definitely got to a point where I, I wasn't right. I wasn't doing that. Um, in retrospect, mm-hmm. I see now that, mm. yeah, I wasn't doing that. And it was almost like because I was in this constant state of caregiving that I I, I saw it everywhere. Yeah. And so I would even put yes. more and more and more care and more care and more care. And then when the, the necessity of care stopped for me, again, it was, it, it's like a release. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was, he was old and sick. It's not like, oh, you know, my father died in the prime of his youth when he was playing baseball and, you know, he wasn't. I was, I was sponge bathing him by the end. And, um, my doctor called, our doctor called and she, the first thing she said to me was, you know, it's okay to be relieved. Mm. And I knew that, but it was still really nice to hear a medical professional say it. So if, um, all y'all, if you're in some kind of weird mourning yourself, like it's okay to be relieved. Um, if someone is again, not necessarily a death, but if someone is out of your, if your life, it's okay to be relieved. Let's, let's be okay with letting things go and being okay with that and not thinking that it's like a. A, a reflection on ourselves whether or not we can you know stack up the numbers on the people that we allow into our lives yeah. you know yeah yeah I mean we know people who like have had to cut parents out of their lives because they're deeply abusive yeah. and who will like I hope will stop living the endless cycle of pain and guilt and doubt around that but maybe won't yeah no judgment if you can't or haven't, but yeah, if you can be the one to break the chain, yeah. we would be forever grateful and that would yeah. ripple into all eternity. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to carry that. No. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I don't know, you know, it, I, if you are paralyzed by the terror of caring for a life, which I have been <laughs> yes. this year. Whether it's an ancestor or a descendant. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Write and tell me how to fix it. <laughs> I don't know if I have advice for that one. I'm still paralyzed by that terror, you know? Like, you, I have these moments of, like, oh, the weight lifted, and I feel she's okay, and she's healthy, and she's so funny, and she's so great. But then, you know, she sneezes six times in a row. My heart stops. I... I, I'll be like shaking sobbing in the bathroom like I I think that we're gonna watch her almost die again and and, the, and that I don't know what's causing it and I mean Mark and I cried every day for days after watching that happen you know like there's just I I I understand why people become like slavishly religious you know I understand why you would just hold a rosary in your hands if you've been through something traumatic you know like and and this is I was gonna say this is small scale compared to what some people go through but I think we can do a side with that diminishing of our experiences right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this is the right time to say, like, you know, thank you for our the times that we've faced death because they make each moment purer and more beautiful and richer. In fact, <laughs> here's another bit from Llewellyn, um, Sawin book. Grief has its place in all of this, but sometimes mourning takes too much of our energy, and instead of acting as a way to teach us what we value, it completely colors our worldview. It's important to put grief in its proper place, informing us of what we've lost, so that we know what in life to cherish. Yeah. And that's kind of what you were saying, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's very important to be confronted with. And I mean, that's kind of like, that's how we know. I don't believe that, you know, people say, oh, uh, the, those traumas that happened to you, that made you stronger. I don't buy that. Mm. I don't buy that at all. I think it, um, it doesn't make you stronger, but it does make you recognize in your resilience how strong you actually are. Mm. And that's what the, the tests, they don't make us stronger. Don't think that you can make someone stronger by traumatizing them. You're, <laughs> right. not, you're not making yeah. them stronger. But what you might be giving them is a knowledge of how incredibly strong they already mm. were. Mm. And I think that that's why I, I'm grateful to challenges because mm. they really allow me to demonstrate what I'm capable of. Mm. And in a soft life without challenges you never get a chance to see how fucking badass mm -hmm. you are yeah. yeah there's something too about you know that it's it's accelerated for us our desire to live in a way that she will be proud of you know we that was very real but it's way more real you know like every moment we have with her we want to be like this, this like joy, this celebration, you know, like Mark gathered all these cedar branches and wove this crazy eight foot tall, like womb thing in her room. That's like a reading nook for her birthday. Like, you know, we we're, we want to like organic farm on our land and just shape our whole lives. Like just never buy anything that doesn't biodegrade like can we get there is that like a fair goal we're not there yet but can we set that as like a true goal and like for me can I can I get to a life where I'm like writing and telling stories and doing this podcast and like I love my day job it's been fucking awesome but like I can I make sure that even my day job is something that my kid looks back and is really proud of right. like that we helped shape a world she's happy to live in because you are an ancestor now mm. in that moment you became one of these I'm doing air quotes here ancestors <laughs> that we talk about mm. to whom we give our gratitude and our praise and to whom we look whether you believe that the spirits are around us or not like to whom we look for answers and guidance mm. you are one of those mm -hmm. now you are an ancestor. So everything you do from this moment on is legacy work, right? Mm. I mean, whether you have children or not, everything you do from this moment on is legacy work. Yeah. I really think that's true. So speaking of legacy, I want to give another shout out to someone who is, I loved very much. I love very much who passed away this year. 
um, my Uncle Jack. Mm. And I want to tell Risa, you know this story, but I want to tell the story of how Uncle Jack lived his life um, as a bachelor. Now, contemporary thinking would think he was probably gay. I don't think so. The story that I heard was that he was in love with a woman who was Christian. Um, we came from a Christian family, but he's atheist, very science-minded man. Mm. And so the story goes, she asked him to convert, essentially. And it wasn't conversion, but, you know, to sort of re-proclaim his faith in Christianity. And so the story goes, he refused to do so, mm. had his heart broken, and never loved again. Oh. Now, fast forward, Uncle Jack is in his 70s. He is a beautiful and kind and thoughtful man who would have all the screaming brats from the family because the parade went by his apartment building and you could see the parade route from his balcony. So he would have all us screaming brats over and would treat us with kindness oh. so that we could watch the parade. Um, but outside of that, you know, not much of a social. Didn't have a telephone. Oh. If you wanted to reach him, you could call his mother and she would relay a message Whoa. right like this is what I'm talking about um, but in his 70s I don't know what happened and I never got a chance to ask him but not in so many words at least um, he said fuck all that and he started going and hanging out at the senior center going to the dances he became the DJ <laughs> at the senior <laughs> center dances and was like a rock star in the senior citizen center oh, community so again, like, um, shout out Uncle Jack for turning it around. I, I think of you so often mm. when I think that I can't change or when I think it's too late for anything that I think it might be too late for um, within the laws of physics. Um, I think of you, Uncle Jack, and uh, bless your passage and bless your DJing of the <laughs> seniors. God bless that. Yeah. God X bless that. You know, it's funny, the name Jack keeps coming up. Um, May was going to be named Jack if she was a boy um, because my grandfather's name was Jack. And... Um, Blavatsky, the episode that um, has come out earlier this season, um, she's called Jack by her her best friend and co-founder of the Theosophical Society. Uh, he calls her Jack. She calls him Mahoney. And like, I don't know. I just keep coming back to the. I don't know. You know when a name is like, or something is like winking at you over and over again, and it's yeah, it's something about like not being tied to anything. You know, like my grandfather. Um, hilarious, like wonderful writer and describes meeting my grandmother when he was a soldier during the second world war and, um, and just thinking like she was hilarious, you know, like they, she spoke Danish, he spoke English. There's a wonderful love story where they walk each other back and forth from his barracks to her home. The first night they met back and forth, back and forth. Like she, she's walking him home to make sure he gets home safe and he's walking her home to make sure they get home safe. And, and they just had this, like, I don't know. There was so much like trauma and pain in their lives as well. And, you know, their life was, was, was multiple. We all have different versions of their stories when we get together. It's, it, you know, they, it was a rich life and they touched a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But 
you know, they drove across Europe in a motorcycle and sidecar with four kids, you know, like <laughs> they, they were adventurers. They drove from the prairies to Montreal so they could go to Expo 67 and they camped out under an overpass and let the kids run wild. Like, I don't know, Jack and May were uh, their ancestors for me in that sense. And they're, they're, they're on my altar and they're in my mind at this time of year, of, you know, I don't think everyone in my family would hold them in the same way, but that's okay. It sort of is like this idea from the, the, the theosophists that like, you know, there will be a time in our transition through the universe after our body has passed where we will hold the people around us in the form that we love them. That's kind of possible to us here too, you know, like mm -hmm. we can hold people as guides in the form that we love them without you know we're not erasing history we're not being dishonest but we're giving ourselves some protection Definitely. to help get through the dark parts of the year maybe yeah i had another friend pass away this year that maybe that's why i proposed mm. this yeah. death episode <laughs> um alan euster and you made me think of him because of uh, i think we we convince ourselves that we need to do more or do and be and do and be and do and be. And maybe that's because we've been like brainwashed by capitalism mm. or something. But Alan um, was a fan mm. and a supporter. Mm. If you were in a band in Montreal at a certain time, you knew Alan. Mm. And if you were in a good band, you saw Alan mm. appreciating um, and I think that when he passed away, dozens and dozens and dozens of people came out to talk about how, um, even just seeing him in a crowd was like a reassurance. Mm. Um, having him buy your merch was a badge of honor. Mm. Um, and so when, again, like I, I think of you, Alan, when I, when I feel the need to create or do more and do more that sometimes um just reading your friend's story and telling them it's good mm. is also legacy work like being a supporter is so important mm. being that face in the crowd whether it's for your family or for your favorite band is so important um and yeah, I think we I think we push too hard sometimes to be creators, and we we need to remember that it's so important to be supporters too. You know? Yeah, that rings so true for me. And it's funny May right now, like it, I'll I'll take like a Cheerio or like a little um, anything, and and look through it and be like, I see you, May, I see you, <laughs> and she pauses and then like lights up, like her whole being lights up because you see her you see her like and and it's i feel like it's specific to between me and her right now where like i'm not nursing her all night long anymore she's figured out sleep you know she's healthier she's she's crawling she's close to walking and there's these moments where both of us are like oh no like get back inside <laughs> they're too far away <laughs> or where she'll like crawl in and be like oh no I didn't mean to like 
I didn't know that meant that I would be away from you. <laughs> I didn't realize the consequences. I didn't realize the consequences. <laughs> Let me go back. And so, um, yeah, that it it is legacy work to really see people and and just purely that you know just I yeah. see you I see you I see what you're doing it's beautiful I see what you're trying I see you just yeah. you and it's great like and, I maintain that um, you know smiling at a stranger is an act of witchcraft and magic it absolutely because is. um like like Phoenix said it from season one and I say this all the time and it's been said many ways by many people, but Phoenix is the voice that I hear. And yeah. Magic has a rippling effect. Yeah. All of these things, these small things that we can and should do that we might shrug off. Oh, it's nothing. I won't even bother with that because it won't make any difference. It does. Yeah. It can and it will. You just reminded me of a story and it, it's so funny. Um, Someone pointed out that often when magical things happen to us, our, our ego is quick to forget them mm. um, because it suggests that the ego isn't in control and that magic is real. And so the ego is very quick to be like, that was a dream or just forget it entirely. I think that was in a, a Caroline Elliott um, writing, but, um, and I did, I almost forgot this one and I wanted to tell it to you and maybe it'll make sense as an end to this podcast because it was a moment I had this week of being waved at I feel by someone who had died and of magic rippling um May and I were walking around Montreal we had found an umbrella and we took it out in the rain that day and she was strapped on me and I had to go and do some stuff and had to go to a lunch and left the lunch and got my little baby all wrapped up and walked six blocks and tired and my feet are hurting. I've been walking around all day. It starts to rain and I realize I don't have the umbrella. I'm standing on the corner of the street having this realization. I make eye contact with this like really beautifully dressed Japanese man and he's just looking at me and I'm looking at him and, and, uh, and I'm trying to decide if I should walk back the six blocks and then go back and get to the metro and do a trek a half hour to where we're staying. And he walks by me and just and so quick I can't say no, hands me his umbrella and says, please, you have to accept this. You need it more than I do and just walks away. And so I have tears in my eyes and I walk in the rain and the umbrella cuddling the kid and get on the metro and sit down next to this like really beautiful um girl and she looks like she's been crying and he's, she's chatting with may and she's handing her her ticket for the metro and may's playing with it and handing it back and may takes it and she's like you know when a kid gets something that they're like this is mine now and i'm like oh kid you know you gotta give the lady back her ticket and the girl's like um no, I, I probably don't need it. I, I, I can walk, you know. And I'm like, no, you need your chance for the kid doesn't need a random piece of paper. You remember that thing I was talking about earlier about like wanting to help so yeah. badly that you will for no reason at all walk in the rain when you have a metro ticket so that you don't make a baby cry. Yeah, exactly. Carry on, carry on. Exactly that. And I'm like, no, no, she, you're okay. You know, take your transfer. And she's like, you know, it's just like what's important in life. Like I could walk. And I was like, yeah, no, you're sweet. She's okay. And uh, I was like, actually, you know, I have this umbrella. Uh, I'm like letting May play with the umbrella instead of the ticket. And I'm like, someone just gave this to us. It's so funny, you know. 
we were walking, it was raining, guy gave me the umbrella and walked away, and she looks up at me and she's like, I'm in Montreal for my father's funeral. That's something my dad would have done. That's something my dad did do. She's just looking at me like crying, you know? And I was like, maybe, maybe that was your dad, like wa waving, like, you know, maybe this is just one of those, you know, maybe that was, and she's like, yeah, you know, we were both just sort of stunned. Yeah. And then I got off the metro. <laughs> but you had, you shared this profound moment of magic. Yeah. And I love your use of the word maybe. I mean, in the My Jean episode, I used the word maybe yeah. about a hundred times. I, maybe, maybe, maybe is where we exist whether we admit it or not yeah so uh, let's embrace the maybe maybe it was maybe her father it was. and you know when i spoke to mark about that story afterwards he was like and i had had this feeling too like maybe the um the message in that moment or in that story is to tell strangers your stories you know because it was only by telling her what had happened that we had that moment like and that's that's the impetus to connect whether it's coming from a person who has passed or it's coming from like the universal soul of all of us just trying to connect with each other is fucking super powerful <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the message is share your story mm -hmm. share kindness mm -hmm. share umbrellas <laughs> But keep your ticket if you need to. <laughs> keep your metro ticket. Put your mask on. Keep your ticket. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. I mean, we're spirits. You know? We we exist with this ability to do these magical and to to send these messages. Yeah. That's it. I gotta go. I can't uh, think of a better way to end our Samhain episode and season three of the missing witches podcast thank you guys so much thank you so much it's been another amazing journey with all of you we want to thank our patrons so oh much we have God. so many gifts to spoil you with oh my gosh we've been making things mark is a, a leather worker he's got some gifts for you. you may have them by the time you hear this but maybe not um we're excited we're gonna send like a handmade with our with our beautiful logo on it that Amy made like burned etched into the leather on a copper keyring to everyone who's a patron of ours see pictures of them on our Instagram so if you have a dollar a month or five dollars a month no matter what amount we want to send you this little badge of belonging to our coven yeah and if you have no money to spare and hey I've been there I know Risa has too yeah. then just thank you for listening we feel heard we feel seen. Same, it's a yeah. gift that you give us every time you listen to you us. You offer your ears, yeah. yeah. Thank you so for being here. Write to us at missingwitches at gmail.com. Check us out on socials at missingwitches. If you want to become a patron, do so. And one final shout out to our amazing sponsor. Season 3 of the Missing Witches podcast is sponsored by Fox Club Farm. Use offer code MISSINGWITCHES. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs>